is this? There we go. Thank you very much. He is all decked out in golf wear. I would love to be playing in that if I were able, but with my shoulder surgery, I'm not able to be playing in that. But hey, I can raise my arm up now about this high. So applause. Thank you. Actually, no applause. Just throw money. That'd be great. Um, so it's great to have you here. I hope you had a wonderful week. Uh, Kristen and I had our week off during the summer, or actually I did last week. She had the weekend off, and we went to uh, Marquette, Michigan, where my brother pastors, and we had the privilege of celebrating my dad's 80th birthday party. And I'm going to tell you about that just briefly in a moment, but before I do, let me say this. Uh, as far as the Life Church Appleton campus, we had some great things happen since I've seen you last, and those would be that we had our inspections for our new building. We successfully negotiated the changes that came out of that. And so we are following through with our closing date on August 31st for our new building. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. And, and so thank you for that. We, will, we are targeting August 16th to be our last Sunday in this place. And all God's people said... That's right. Uh, we've been treated very well by the theater, but it will be wonderful to be in our own building. We know that people are starting to ask when we will be opening up there uh, at what is now the core downtown Appleton. going to be an exciting time. We'll be doing that in two stages or phases. The first will be a rebranding where we'll go in and change some basic paint colors, signage, those types of things, put up some temporary kids' rooms because currently uh, they do not have kids' church the way we do. We have Life Kids. We take two or three rooms for Life Kids, so we'll be setting up temporary rooms for that. And then uh, our second phase will be the remodeling phase. So we have the rebranding, which is temporary, the remodeling, which will be kind of ongoing. As soon as we can raise funds to do specific projects, we will. Some will take place at the very beginning. We'll be communicating more about that uh, in, in the coming weeks and some projects we would like to do right away. For example, uh, we have we will be purchasing new chairs. We'll be talking to you about purchasing a chair for yourself, family members, and then uh, we would encourage you to purchase a chair for someone who is not yet there. And uh, we're just excited about those types of things. going to be a lot of fun. And, and uh, I believe, now this might sound kind of corny to you, but I believe that the six plus years, almost seven years that our campus has been in existence, that God has been refining us for such a time as this. And I believe that in my life in ministry, um, that God has refined me for such a time as this as well. And, and I believe God's hand is in all of this. We're going to see exciting things. And, and uh, you know, the enemy, he means a lot of things for harm. And, of course, we know that a lot of damage has been caused uh, to people's lives physically, to people's lives financially, and all of these types of things during COVID. But I believe God's on the throne. He's doing miraculous things. And I see it every week. I see it 
every day as I communicate with people. And, and I, I truly believe in my heart that our best days are ahead. I don't know exactly what they look like. You know, who, who could say that? But our best days are ahead. And God is, is working in ways that he just continues to reveal over time. And uh, so I want to go back and, and I want to talk to you today about living in the margin. Living in the margin, and as I mentioned, we celebrated my dad's 80th birthday party this last weekend. Now, we went up to Marquette, where we had 21 family members. My dad is responsible for creating the chaos of 21 family members. I told him uh, when it was really hectic at the house, because we all stayed in the same house for a weekend, okay? 21 people, we were in every area, uh, but my brother does have a large house there and, and that he's remodeling. And, and I, I said to my dad when it was extra chaotic, I said, a little bit of self-discipline, you could have taken care of a lot of this years ago, you know? Uh, so, so it was a lot of fun. And, and it was strange because my mom was not with us. And I've alluded to the fact over my first months here uh, prior to our, our time away from in-person services that my mom died a few years ago, actually four years ago. And so it was a little bit strange having that type of, of family event without my mom and my dad's new wife of a year and a half, almost two years now, Judy, what a marvelous lady and blessing she is to our family and to my dad. She was there and, and uh, it, was, it was a great time, but it was kind of, of strange. And my mom used to say, all of, every once in a while, she would say, I can't believe it used to be. She couldn't believe how old she was. And then as her kids started to get older, she would say, Dan, I can't believe I have a 50-year-old son. Now, I have a granddaughter now, and a lot of you know that, but give it up for me anyway, <laughs> not for my granddaughter, for grandpas, they're cool, right? So anyway, uh, I have a granddaughter now, and I've heard my daughter say, time is going so fast, or she's getting so old. Yeah, she's like three months, right? <laughs> you know, so, but time goes fast, and you can't believe, and I thought of my mom, like she would say, she would have been saying last weekend, I can't believe I'm married to an 80-year-old man. That's what my mom would have been saying. I promise you that's what she would have said. One day she saw a young lady in the grocery store who was really struggling with her kids, and I think we've all been there at one time or another, those of us that are parents, and, and uh, she went up to her and, and she said, hey, um, you know, I can't help but, but notice you're really frustrated, you're going through it, she said, but I just want to say to cherish the moments because they don't last forever. And time is so fleeting and goes by so quickly. And, and it really does. In Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5 says this, Show me, O Lord, my life's end in the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. Each man's life is but a breath. In fact, if you follow along with our SOAP devotionals, you can find those uh, on our website or on our church app. This morning's reading was out of Ecclesiastes 1 and 2 and spoke about that very thing, that life is fleeting, that, that we put so much energy into all of these things, but life goes by so quickly. 
And Hebrews 9.27 says man is destined to die once and after that we're all to face the judgment. And the reality is that unless Christ returns during our lifetime, all of us will have the experience of physical death. And it's different for everyone. We were so blessed in my mom's death when uh, she had two autoimmune diseases and God added about 15 years onto her life from the time, what, the first time it was very difficult. And then when she went unconscious, they were able to get her back for about a five-week period of time. So we got to say our goodbyes. We got to uh, spend time with her and all of these things that God blessed us with in, in her death. And it was really a great experience, but not everybody gets that opportunity. I mean, for some of us, that moment will come totally unexpectedly. And isn't it interesting that you're always more concerned with your own death or the death of a, loved, a close loved one than with someone else's death? Now, it's not that we're cold-hearted. It's not that we wish death upon anyone. But it reminds me of the two friends who were out hiking and they loved to hike in the mountains and areas where there were dangerous snakes and all this, but they had never encountered one. But on this one particular day, they're hiking up through the mountains and one of them gets bitten by a snake. And he drops to the ground. They know it's a venomous snake. He's immediately in pain and, and uh, the venom starts rushing through his veins. And his friend says, hey, I've got an a, a aid manual. What do you call it? First aid kit and manual back at the car. It talks about snake bites. I should have brought it. I don't have it. I'm going to run back and get it. So he goes back and he gets this manual and he comes back and he sits down and, and he's reading it and it says to expose the snake bite. So he exposes the snake bite. And then it says to once you have it exposed to take a knife and to make two incisions over the snake bite like an X and then to suck the venom out. And so he's sitting here and he's kind of caught off guard. This is more than he ever bargained for, right? So his friend is just in terrible pain. He's starting to black in, fade in and out, you know, of consciousness. But he has the strength to say, what does it say? What does it say? And his friend says, it says you're going to die. <laughs> we can just be more concerned about our own life, our own life and death than we can that of other people. I like to go to a certain cemetery where my dad's, many of my dad's family is buried, and I like to just get in touch with our family history every few years. And I was there this spring on Memorial Day weekend, and I went around and I looked at all of the gravestones of people from our family on, on both sides and, and then how the family tree kind of weaves and, and different people just to bring back memories. And, and uh, I noticed, even on my mom's tombstone, it says, in loving memory, Bonnie, Bonnie Taylor, and it lists the year and then a dash and then the year she died. And it's that dash that margin in between the year listed for our birth and the year listed for our death that's so important. It takes up the least amount of space on the gravestone, but the greatest amount of space in our lives. Living in the margin 
And I want to talk to you today about that. What are you doing in the margin? Because we, we will all have our day when our name is listed on the tombstone. And what have you done in the margin to bring glory and honor to Jesus' name? Because that's really what it's about. Lord, help me see my days. Help me number my days aright, the psalmist says in one place. Help me live in ways that bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus. To, to, to really make a difference for the cause of Christ. And I think we would realize, if we could see the end of our lives, that we live preoccupied with so many things on earth. And a lot of them even good things. But I don't think God really intended for them to preoccupy every moment of our thoughts. I think sometimes we get too caught up in the daily routines of life and, and the things that, that seem to be such priorities. Perhaps we have some of those mixed up. And I like what the Apostle Paul says of his life in Philippians 1, 20 and 24, our main passage today. He says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past. And then here's a key, a key line. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. I trust that while I live in the margin, from my birth to my death, that my life will bring honor to Christ. For whether I live or die, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ making a difference in the margin. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. So the question is, how do we live a life that brings honor to Christ while we're living in the margin? First thing is this, turn when into now. So often we have this when and now or when and then syndrome. You know, if this happens, then I would make this change. Or when this happens, I'll make a change in my life. You know, maybe you're trying to make a living and you have few, a few young kids at home and you're saying, well, when I get X amount of dollars in the bank, then I'll, then I'll kind of slow down on my hours at work or I'll pay less attention to that and more attention to my kids or, or maybe it's your spiritual life. Maybe you would say, you know, there was a time in my life when I was so much closer in my walk with Jesus that, that I, I would love to be back there, but you know, I'm too busy now or when when this happens, then I'll refocus on my daily walk with Jesus. Maybe there's trouble in your marriage. Maybe for some reason you've drifted apart. Maybe it's the children have become the priority in your family. Maybe it's work and, and you're not balancing that very well. Uh, maybe it's a sick family member that you're taking care of. Maybe it's just a, a rotten attitude that's developed in your life. Anybody else prone to bad attitudes once in a while? I almost preached about that this morning, right? 
Maybe it's a bad attitude that's taken shape and, and your husband or your wife is trying to communicate to you about it and you're saying, well, I'll, I'll change that someday. Or when this circumstance in my life changes, then I'll do it. It's this when and then syndrome. The problem is when very rarely ever happens. We have to live life in the midst of in the margin with all of the challenges that happen. Well, when things get back to normal, can I tell you, if you wait or you're waiting for things to get back to normal to make some change in your life that God is impressing on your heart, you're going to be waiting a while because I think we're moving in to what's going to be a new normal for a period of time. And everybody just said, oh, no. <laughs> but, but I think we're going to be in a new normal. And so we can't wait to make some adjustment or, or change until things get back to normal. Psalm 118, verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. What does God want you to do today at whatever point you are in the margin? What does God want from you today? What's in his heart for you? What is he impressing on your heart today to bring glory and honor to his name? Start living that out today. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. My brother Kevin is about an inch shorter than I am. He looks 20 years older, but uh, he's two years older. He's about an inch shorter than I am. He's 140 pounds soaking wet. He runs a marathon every summer. Uh, a, a, I believe last year he ran two half marathons and a marathon. Um, he's, he's fit and he's, you know, uh, he's what I want to be in terms of, of fitness. And one day he fell over basically dead with a, with a heart attack. And he was in a shockable rhythm, praise God, and they had an AED close by. Some of you have heard that story. They put it on him. It shocked him three times uh, and made it possible for the paramedics to get there. And, um, you know, you would think that would be me, right? I mean, as I'm eating another cupcake, you know. Uh, but, but it's not. It was the most fit one in our family. You're not promised or guaranteed anything. You make assumptions about your life, and I make assumptions about my life, but none of us know when the margin ends. When it's like, okay, today's my day. And do you know, I don't even want to know. The psalmist says, show me the end of my life. I don't even want to know because I don't think I could handle all that. I just want to be found serving God and glorifying the Lord today and making a difference today. Now, I don't want to get very far down this road at all, but I'm going to use it as an example. I was in the other room this morning preparing for service and as you know, the theater uh, has a rule about, about masks. We can take them off at periods of time, use common sense. But my attitude was a little bad this morning about my mask while I was getting ready. 
And I was listening to a song that says, here I am, Lord, have all of me. And the Lord put this thing in my heart. What about now? What about today? What about what's on your face? (laughs) I'm being dead serious. (laughs) Do you know that's how you glorify the Lord? It's in the little thing. Now everybody's putting their mask. No, I didn't mean it. Uh, as, as We have opportunity to, to worship and eat food in here and things like that. But I left it on this morning for my own attitude to check myself. I can come up here and say, live a life that glorifies the Lord in the margin and not do it myself. But, but that was a small little thing that represented for me in that private place where I, I didn't have to. I did it to check my attitude. How are you living in the margin? Right? Is, we, we come into services. We glorify the Lord. I love church, right? I'm a church guy. Every part of church I love. Our lives are not just about these services. It's about the moments in between. And the second part would be this. Turn your intentions into actions. So you have these when and then tendencies. But we need to turn our intentions into actions. Oh yeah, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to do that. Remember, James says, anyone who knows to do good but doesn't do it is sinning. So we have to turn our good intentions into actions. And what good intentions do you have in your heart? I have this thought, okay, this this belief that we judge ourselves by our intentions and other people by their actions. Right? We're like, you know, look what they're doing. Look, 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 why aren't they doing this? We're not even doing it, but we intend to. So, so we judge them based on their actions. We judge ourselves based on our intentions. And I believe that if we're going to live effectively in the margin for the cause of Jesus Christ, we've got to turn our good intentions into actions. Bible says, don't withhold praise to whom praises do. When's the last time you went and built someone up and gave them praise that, that was, they were worthy of as opposed to complained about an action? We get this thing all turned around sometimes. So what good intention has God placed in your heart that you've not acted on yet? Maybe it's saving for a missions trip. Maybe it's an act of kindness Maybe it's a life of generosity. Oh, pastor, when I hit this place in my life financially, you know, then I will be generous. No, because generosity and obedience is not about the amount of money I make. It's about my spirit, right? When we made no money, we were faithful and we were generous. And then when God started to add, we could be not more faithful, but equally as faithful and more generous. 
right? So it's, it's about our attitude, and, and the list goes on and on. What thing has God put in your heart? Maybe it's a, a place of service. Maybe it's something in your neighborhood. Maybe it's an attitude that he wants you to adjust, but you need to close the gap, and myself as well, close the gap between good intentions and actions. Don't let a good thing go undone today. Don't let the good thing that God has impressed on your heart go undone today. Realizing that we need to turn our intentions into actions, I think there are three areas we can really focus on. And I'm going to, I chose them specifically for a purpose today, but the first one is to focus on our prayer lives. I think a lot of us have good intentions in our devotional time with God, but we probably need to turn our good intentions into actions. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. That self-controlled thing is important because sometimes I have to cut something out to add something. No, I think we have a lot of good intentions. I'm going to do that. My question would be, what are you going to cut out of your schedule to make it happen? So many great things in life do not just happen even if we intend for them to happen. Guys, in the margin, we have to be close to Jesus if we're going to glorify his name. We have to be close to Jesus. It's not just what we do or don't do. It's not just whether we're faithful at church. It's do we know Jesus? Like, right? And then does that flow out of our lives? Does it flow out of my time with him? And it's the time and opportunity to be close with Jesus, to focus on your prayer life. If you're struggling with anxiety during COVID, one of the things you need to do is check and increase your time with Jesus. You say, why? Because it brings peace and joy. Now, I'm not saying that's the only factor. There can be medical, clinical factors, all those things. But certainly, time with Jesus makes a difference. Second thing is focus on people. So focus on your prayer time, focus on people. 1 Peter 4, 8, 9, above all else, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Love each other deeply. Who have you extended love to recently? Well, we're, we're quarantined away. We hardly get out. We, well... Last I checked, there's mail, there's text, there's social media, there's, you know, who, acts of kindness. Who have you showed some love to? Who have you encouraged in their life? Make relationships a priority, true relationships, and nurture those that you already have. Don't just move on to the next relationship, but make sure that you're focusing on people. You know, I think one of the things, the realities that hits home during times like this is that it's really the people in our lives that matter. Our church family, our biological family, some of us are blessed to be closer to our church family 
than many in our biological, at least extended families. Peter says, if there's an issue between you and someone else, go and get over it. Life's too short to harbor those grudges. It's going to affect how you bring glory and honor to the Lord as you, you live in the margin. Then we would have focus on purpose. 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in various forms. I think we have a lot of good intentions about letting the love of God pour out of us, about using the gifts that, that God has for us. But it's very difficult sometimes in the midst of life. I want to refer back to my mom again for a minute. In case you haven't noticed, I'm like a mama's boy, okay? So my mom played the organ at our home church when I was a kid. And um, then even years after I left the house, she played the keys and, and uh, whatever. We had multiple services at our church home and where I grew up. And nobody would take the early service. Nobody would take the early service. But my mom had three kids. Her husband worked six 12-hour days a week. And she always volunteered for the early service. And it was not always fun. But she did not just have good intentions. She's like, I'm going to serve God. And I'm going to serve God through the local church, and they need this. And somebody has to do it. I'm going to. And you know what? She never complained. She just had the joy of the Lord. But my point is, a lot of times, we want to be that person to stand in the gap, and we intend to. Whatever the organization, not just the local church, it could be our family. We intend to. But we just struggle to get from that, that intention to actually following through and to live with purpose. Do you know purpose does not happen on accident? Living for purpose in your life does not happen on accident. It is intentions are wonderful, but it takes something inside to go from my intentions to actually what I'm going to do. Something has to be given up to pursue something else. You always, living for purpose always means that you're going to give something up. Not that the other thing is, is without enjoyment. It's just that you're living for a higher purpose. Some things we give up are even good and beneficial, but we're living for a higher purpose, and you have to focus on that as it relates to turning your intentions into action. It can't just be a good intention. And finally, and maybe most importantly in all of this, is as you live in the margin if you're truly going to glorify Christ, then you have to turn your whole life over to Jesus. Now, you may have been with me until right there, but turn your whole life over to Jesus. I think sometimes in Christianity, we want 
a full return on a partial investment. Are you, are you with me? We want a full return on a partial investment. We, you know, we want God to, to make such a difference in our lives and, and we want God to meet our needs and we want God to take care of this issue and we want God to take care of that issue and we want God to intervene in the lives of our children and, and we want God, 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 God. And you know what I've learned is that God often works through people. People who make an investment that's tremendous. And then they get a return on that investment. I had the privilege of being my pastor's parents. My pastor's parents. That doesn't sound right. My parents' pastor. Thank you. I had the privilege of being my parents' pastor for four and a half years. And I got to watch my parents as their pastor, not just as their kids. And I was so incredibly blessed because I saw the same things as their pastor that I noticed as their kid. And while I was their pastor, I had at least a half a dozen young men and a dozen young women in the church come to me and say something to this effect. I'll, I'll focus on one of the comments about my dad at the moment. Your dad is the richest man I know. The young man talking to me on this particular occasion, his dad was very wealthy. All of their holidays were spent at the local country club with people serving them and very, you know, it was pretty over the top. And he's saying to me, your dad's the richest man I know. And I kind of knew where he was going, but I said, well, what are you talking about? And he said, all your dad's kids love God. They're passionate about Jesus. They love him. They're passionate about each other. He has their respect. He's done what's necessary in his marriage to have a, have a good marriage. And he's an example to the congregation at church. I want to be like your dad. Here's what I noticed about a lot of people over the years who told me they wanted to be like my dad. They wanted the fruit of my dad's life without the same investment my dad made. That's powerful. My dad did not get lucky. He's very ordinary, and I don't mean that to dog him out. He's just a normal guy. He worked 41 years on the same job. Most of it, you know, not the best jobs in the plant. And just kept trudging away, serving God at his local church and in his community. 
trying to be what God wanted him to be in the margin. You know why he did it? Because at 25 years old, the Lord spoke to him and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And you need to not only accept me yourself, but you need to teach your boys what it is to follow Jesus. And so he consciously said, I'll give you my life. I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. There won't be anything in my life that I withhold. And to the best of his ability and with the strength of the Lord, he gave it all. Time, talent, treasure. He gave it all. I woke up one night as a little boy. I was probably just before my preteens, maybe 13 at the oldest. And it was late. My dad worked long hours, had to be up at 4.30, you know, all that kind of jazz. And I woke up, and I heard my dad talking to my mom about how his marriage was falling apart and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, I'm scared to death, right? I mean, their marriage is falling apart. He doesn't know what to do. Here's my hero. And so I get up and I go in the bathroom. I got to find out what's going on. And there he's rehearsing his lines for a drama at church. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, (laughs) everything's okay. what it looks like to give everything right like and it's those people who have the joy of the Lord differently than when you withhold and human effort wants to withhold be honest isn't there something in your heart am I the only one here that has something in their heart that wants to hold back come on now I can't be the only one And I'm like my dad. I'm kind of normal. Well, I'm kind of average. (laughs) But here's what I've learned. The more that I give it all, the more God returns it. It's like a dynamic, supernatural thing that the more I learn to trust him, the more I learn to say, you know what? I'll give it all to you. Not just in my song on Sunday morning, not just in this or that, but in the moments when... I'll just give it to you. Even when I make a mistake, I'll try and handle that in a way that brings glory and honor to your name because I'm not above mistakes. I'll try and handle that mistake in a way that brings glory and honor to your name. I'm just going to give it. I'm broken. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm just going to give it to you. And what I've learned is the, the greater the investment, the greater the return. And if you're here today, not if, there are some of us here today and we're wrestling and and maybe you weren't wrestling with this last year, but you are this year. You're wrestling with the investment or, or, or the investment has become difficult. Can I say if the investment has become difficult and is making you bitter, then you're probably presenting it 
in not the best way, it's probably become about, I got to make this investment as opposed to an outflow of who Jesus is in your life. Are you following me? So if you're tired, if you're beat up, if you're like, Pastor Dan, I'm investing in, in my life with the Lord and, and bless God, I just keep doing it, but I'm not getting anything back. Maybe it's not flowing out of the right place. Because my Bible tells me that when I give it all, springs of living water will flow from my life. Springs of living water. We're going to share in communion this morning and just ask you to take your communion emblem there. Might want to. Have we missed anyone this morning that would like emblems and has been missed? We'll make sure that you get those or you can go out and pick those up on the table. That may be a better way to do it. Just take a moment and peel the top off there so get to that point we're ready for communion but you know I was talking to my uncle who's battling cancer and he is I think he's 74 and at the time he had decided not to do any more treatment then they found something that would work and he decided to give it a try but he said it nah, I'm not going to keep doing this you know and I was kind of blown away and he said this to me he said Dan what do I have to gain my grandkids have good parents they're serving God my wife loves the Lord and you know I'll listen and he said all the disciples died in their mid 30s He's a pastor, and I kind of took him at his word. I didn't research their ages, but <laughs> if I can't trust my Uncle Bob, I can't trust anybody. That stunned me. Like, this book is all about people who gave it all and focused on the all more than the, out, more than the outcome or the return. And in fact, as we share in communion today, that's what this is about. Jesus gave it all we're going to eat of the bread and we know that Jesus represented this and did this with his disciples and at what we affectionately call the last supper and Paul reinforces it in 1 Corinthians 11 <clears throat> but I was thinking of this in preparation this I don't even know what it is genetically altered piece of something <laughs> represents the crucible of Jesus' life. I think I said that correctly. The moments when it all came down to giving everything. That's what this little thing represents. You can almost see through it. But the power and the dynamic nature of what it represents and what Jesus did to make to give this meaning was a give-it-all kind of mentality. And somehow, get this, somehow as God the Father is offering Jesus and, and Jesus is offering himself and, and uh, in, in these crucial moments, in these 
moments where he's just being pressed. I, I cannot get this out of my head. It says this. God said, or the Bible says, it pleased the Father to bruise him. Right? Like that's an I'm giving it all mentality. Like I'm giving exponentially to where it hurts and yet it pleases me. Wow. That's like super dynamic. Thank you, Jesus, for what you gave. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for closing the gap between us and you by sending your only begotten son, Jesus, to be the sacrifice for our sins. And this bread represents the all-in nature of what Jesus gave. And we're so thankful for that. Man, it's dynamic. It's powerful. Thank you. We bless you, Lord, as we eat together in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you eat of the bread? And then this cup represents the fact that everything Jesus gave was sufficient. That it worked. That it cleanses you and it cleanses me anyone who asks from their sins. Lord, thank you that it was sufficient. You gave and it was enough. And none of us could have given what would have been enough because you're the only one to live a perfect, sinless life. And so we allow your blood to be applied to our lives to cover us, God. We thank you for that. We love you. We glorify your name and Bless you, God, for your goodness and your salvation. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? We serve a great God. Would you stand and sing as our team leads us in one final song today?